Shalom, and welcome to Inside Israel News, your source for unbiased and thorough analysis of Israeli news, politics, and current events in the Middle East. I'm your host, Isaac Kite. Welcome back to Inside Israel News. We'll be discussing a couple of news items here, and then I'm going to spend most of this episode talking about the coalition that is being formed right now uh, under the uh, mandate, let's say, of Yair Lapid, which was given by President Ruby Rivlin recently to form a government. So uh, more on that in just a minute. At the moment, one of the most pressing stories in Israel is the riots and the violence going on uh, among the Arabs. We've had at least 25 wounded and 23 arrested in riots just the last day. And uh, there are vast, vastly different claims about how many people have been injured. The Palestinian Arabs say that uh, over 200 people have been injured and five people are critically injured. I'm not clear how that happened, uh, supposedly. And uh, a number of Israelis have been injured, including a baby, uh, which was an unfortunate thing. Uh, not that uh, the Arab rioters generally care about such matters in any case. That is a big problem. In fact, uh, with all this violence and, and rioting, the UN is holding a the UN Security Council is holding a special session over it, and everyone's trying to drum up all kinds of international attention to the issue when there really isn't any issue. The <clears throat> Arabs are being violent, and there's really nothing more to it. Uh, until the violence is quelled, until they stop, there will continue to be violence. Uh, Israel is not doing anything to instigate the violence or cause the violence to happen. There have also been uh, more rockets from Gaza and a number of fires set by incendiary balloons. This is a, a tactic that the uh, Gazans have used quite a bit lately. They uh, attach a bunch of basically party balloons to uh, an incendiary bomb and then let it fly over to Israel. And then it uh, falls and ignites and sets fire to the, the shrubbery and uh, causes massive ecological damage. Israel's had to fight major, serious fires as a result of these over the past several years. Uh, you know, so much for uh, ecological uh, security. Uh, Israelis have been planting trees and trying to get uh, the country back to being a forested green area for a long time, and these fires don't help. So this is the this is the big problem, the big news stories uh, about uh, Israel now. And it would be really nice if there were a strong administration in the U.S. that could put a stop to a lot of this. In fact, it's pretty clear that all of this is happening because of the perceived weakness of the American administration. Iran is having a field day. They get to have their allies attack Israel and harass the Israelis and make bad headlines for Israel while at the same time uh, the American administration is bending over backwards to uh, kowtow to whatever uh, the Iranians are wanting in terms of the, the nuclear deal. So this is, this is uh, the world in 2021. Some of, us, uh, some of us tried to warn people that this sort of thing might happen last year, uh, but uh, people didn't listen. So anyway, that is uh, what's going on in terms of the riots and violence in Israel. And an interesting side story that uh, reflects the changing times in the U.S.-Israel relationship on a cultural level, uh, the outgoing uh, Israeli ambassador to the United States, Ron Dermer, uh, who served in that post for the last seven years, has uh, made a statement on 
uh, in a recent television interview that's kind of shaken some of the ground <laughs> regarding this relationship. Uh, he says that Israel should prioritize its connection to uh, Christian evangelicals in the United States uh, over that of its connection to U.S. Jews. And uh, he notes that evangelical Christians, the, the American right, is uh, solidly pro-Israel, without reservations and without criticisms, uh, generally just pro-Israel and, and supportive. Uh, they and, and the Republican Party that uh, represents them have been very solidly pro-Israel for many, many years. Uh, meanwhile, U.S. Jews, on the other hand, uh, who still vote 70-30 uh, for the Democrats, are uh, far more critical of Israel, far more difficult to convince to support Israel, even though uh, they're Jewish. There's a, a vast and, and growing um, anti-Israel movement among uh, a lot of U.S. Jews. So this is it's sad. <laughs> sad. It, it definitely tells us that the times are changing. It's very sad that uh, historically speaking, U.S., you know, American Jews have had the closest relationship with Israel. And that's changing a uh, little bit by little bit. It's more evangelical Christians and uh, American conservatives who are solidly uh, supportive of Israel and uh, of the Jewish interests uh, in America. And, and the left is becoming more injurious to those uh, interests. And if you've gone to a college campus lately, you know that, uh, you know, Jews can't even uh, walk at night on, on campuses without being beaten up these days. Uh, Jews who express support for Zionism are, uh, you know, it's, it's been found they, that t teachers assistants openly admit that they grade them more harshly and, and lower their grades. And so it's uh, not a good time to be a Jew in a U.S. campus, you know, college campus these days. Uh, and uh, those are the uh, sort of ideological, uh, that's, that's the ideological backing of the American left. So uh, Ron Dermer, uh, in my opinion, Ron Dermer is not wrong uh, that the relationship between uh, Israel and America is going to be stronger if Israel prioritizes uh, the evangelical crowd, the, the conservative interests in America over that of American Jews, because uh, American Jews are just not as supportive of Israel uh, as the evangelicals are. And if that isn't a sad commentary on the state of the U.S. Jewish community, I don't know what is. On to the political news. So last week, President Ruby Rivlin, Reuven Ruby Rivlin, like I said, Israeli nicknames, everybody calls him Ruby. Uh, he gave the mandate to Yair Lapid after Bibi Netanyahu failed to form a government within 28 days. So now Lapid has 20, less than 28 days, because a few days have gone by, uh, to put together a government that would be led by himself or other coalition parties within his, uh, what he calls the change bloc, the, basically the anti-Netanyahu group. And if that fails, then there will be a 21-day period where basically anyone can form a government. Uh, that's something I talked about in the last uh, thing, that there's there's would be a, a strong argument in that time if, if Bibi Netanyahu were to leave office that there was, uh, that Likud under new leadership could form a government during that time. There would be an opportunity for that. Uh, after those 21 days, if no government has been formed, then a fifth election would would go on. And that would be unprecedented. Uh, actually, the four elections <laughs> were before this, uh, having two elections in a year was unprecedented. And now in two years, there have been four. So 
uh, a fifth election would be likewise unprecedented. Now, one of the wonderful things about this podcast is that uh, I call it Inside Israel News. I want you guys to feel like insiders, like you really understand what's going on. And so it's always my pleasure when I talk about things and then they're in the headlines just a few days later, because then that way you know that if you've listened to the past few episodes, uh, that uh, you're ahead of the curve, that the things that I'm talking about here on the podcast just days later are in the headlines in Israel. And this is another example of that. Uh, Several Knesset members from the United Torah Judaism, uh, which is a, an ultra-Orthodox, or Haredi, uh, as they say in Hebrew, uh, Ashkenazic party, the, the European-descended Orthodox Jews, basically, they have called for Bibi to step aside in order to try to form a right-wing government led by someone else. Now, there's talk of him maybe coming back in a year and a half or something like that, but uh, they are calling for him to step aside strategically in order to preserve a right-wing government, uh, which is funny. I, I believe somebody said something about that recently <laughs> in my podcast here. You heard it here first. So uh, yeah, I discussed these strategies and, and the the sort of... Uh, layout of the political field, and then you get to read them in the headlines just a few days later. Uh, and this is not the first time. So if you follow Inside Israel News, you will always be ahead of the curve, and you'll know what's going on and have a, a fair idea of uh, the layout of, you know, the lay of the land, the the structure of uh, the situation, and, uh, you know, what's going on, what's going to be in the headlines in the next few days. Uh, so far, no word on Bibi Netanyahu standing down or stepping down. He seems to be uh, holding the line. Uh, and at this point, he's just waiting to see, as everyone else is, will Yair Lapid be able to form a government, which is what I'll be discussing next. Now, since Yair Lapid has received the mandate to form a government, he has this 28-day period, now a few days in, uh, for him to pull the disparate parties together that make up what he calls the change block, into a coalition. And um, speaking of that block and, and what makes up that block, uh, we have the Meretz Far Left Party, uh, the uh, Labor Party, kind of the traditional left, uh, all told, about uh, 13 seats there. Also, uh, the center-left Yeshatid Party, which is led by Lupid himself, with 17 seats. And uh, in addition to this, he has the eight seats of uh, the centrist Blue and White Party, led by Benny Gantz, who was a former opponent of, of Bibi's, or rather the, the main candidate for prime minister, uh, before he agreed to a unity government with Bibi last year that uh, kind of cost him his political career, although he kind of had a last-minute surge, getting himself back up to eight seats, looked for a while like he might be out of the Knesset altogether. Uh, he was down by the threshold, where if he'd fallen below three and a quarter percent, he'd be gone, uh, but he was able to, to come back. Also, the secular nationalist Yisrael Batenu party, uh, the uh, party led by Gidon Sa'ar, New Hope, which is uh, an offshoot or a break-off of Likudniks, basically people from the Likud party who are uh, opposed to Bibi Netanyahu serving as prime minister. Uh, and finally, uh, the newcomer to the, the group, Yamina, the right party led by Naftali Bennett, who is looking to be prime minister. And as I mentioned before, one of his uh, one of his Knesset members, he, he is refusing to vote for this government. So already out of the seven, he's lost a vote. And Likudniks are trying to pressure Yamina not to join. In fact, a Yamina member Ayelet Shaked had to get a new cell phone because she's been receiving nasty messages from people uh, attacking her for supporting this government. And uh, there's been... <laughs> 
just uh, there have been protests outside of Yamina Knesset member houses, their houses. I mean, just an attempt to intimidate them, uh, but also to drive them away from the right wing, uh, the left wing government toward a, a right wing government. Well, it doesn't seem to be working. At least six of them seem to be continuing on board with Naftali Bennett in this negotiation. As I've mentioned in polls, about 43% of Israelis support the uh, Lapid-Bennett government, the idea that this this change block could come together as a coalition. Uh, but only 25% of Yamina voters, of the people who gave Naftali Bennett seven seats, only a quarter of them support the the government that he would lead, at least for uh, a period of time. So uh, that's that's where things stand. And so Yamina under a lot of pressure not to join the government, but they seem to be joining uh, as it is. Now, uh, again, with the six seats there, plus the, the 51 that uh, the change block already has, that puts the their numbers at 57. Now, technically... That's more than the pro BB crowd, which is at 52, right? Uh, 53 if you include Hilki. So that could allow them to form a government, uh, assuming that the members of joint list should abstain. Then there would be more votes for this government than not. So it, technically speaking, they don't have to get to 61 to form a government or seat a government that they will need to get to 61 eventually to hold a majority. Uh, the point is that there is a procedure here or a, a procedural way in which they can form a government without even reaching a majority. But they're not uh, short of a majority either. At this point, the Ra'am party is talking about uh, working with this coalition as well, bringing four more seats, which, because you're doing the math, puts uh, the coalition at right right there at 61 seats, 61 being a majority of 120. And that would give the coalition a majority. And as long as it holds that majority, they will be able to remain in government. So we'll, we'll see if they can do that. Right now, uh, they're in last-minute negotiations kind of within the coalition. Uh, there's some back and forth over cabinet ministries I'm going to talk about here in a minute and uh, which parties are going to get this and which parties are going to get that. Obviously, the biggest talks are uh, over uh, between Naftali Bennett and Yair Lapid personally over who's going to be prime minister when and, and who's going to lead and what offices are going to be held when. And Yamina has made a kind of a last minute push for some uh, of the what are what are called ideological uh let's say, <laughs> ministries, things like public security, education, uh, the interior ministry, ministries, uh, uh, education, important thing. So a lot of these ministries are, are places where parties struggle to get control of them because controlling them means having an opportunity to push ideological agendas for their party. And uh, there's been talk that uh, Meretz, uh that they want, for example, education. Well, of course, they want to be able to use that that ministry. Well, uh, if Labor also wants that ministry or Yamina also wants that ministry, they have to figure all this stuff out ahead of time. Uh, and uh, in terms of those negotiations, they are also offering chairmanships of key Knesset committees uh, in exchange for those cabinet posts if for some reason they're not able to use. So let's just say, just, just out of a, an example here, uh, that in order to form the coalition, Lapid has to give Yamina the education ministry. Well, uh, that means that uh, the leader of uh, Meretz would not be able to hold that position, right? And so Nitzan Horowitz would have to hold some other job. Well, maybe he could, he or his party could control the 
education committee of the Knesset. So they wouldn't control the ministry, but they'd be able to, to be in charge of the legislation that impacts uh, education in Israel. So those are, those are some of the ways that these negotiations go. But it, these cabinet posts are really important, and um, they, uh, you know, they'll be doled out according to you know, what parties have what influence in the coalition. All right, so regarding the formation of the coalition and, and what the coalition is actually going to do uh, in terms of its uh, policies, uh, the, the word now is that at least for the first year, the government is going to avoid major ideological issues, uh, especially religious matters, and uh, only act where there is broad agreement on those kinds of things and uh, among the, the coalition members. And of course, since there are various disparate parties, uh, there, there are a lot of disagreements on these issues, so it's not likely that they're going to, to come to a broad consensus within the coalition on a lot of this stuff. Uh, there is also uh, an agreement that they would set up a state commission to investigate the Mount Maron tragedy, where 45 people were crushed to death, uh, and uh, that's something that Bibi Netanyahu has opposed uh, saying that they don't need to go that far. Law enforcement has investigated and that kind of thing locally. Uh, we, we kind of sad tragedy. We, we, we know that there are problems there. But uh, there are a lot of people on the left who are arguing that incidents like that resulted because uh, Netanyahu did not crack down on the ultra-Orthodox uh, about virus restrictions. And so they may try to pin that on uh, Netanyahu that way, which would be unfair. But, uh, you know, Politics is, is not fair, right? Uh, also, uh, there is talk of uh, immediate reforms to the basic law. Now, Israel doesn't have a constitution, so the basic law is the structure, provides the structure of the Israeli government. So it's something like, I guess you could say it's a stand-in for the constitution. Let's just put it that way. And uh, amendments to the basic law require the support of an absolute majority of the Knesset, so 61 votes. But they could uh, pass such legislation uh, creating term limits. And, and of course, the term limits that they're talking about are uh, eight years, you know, about two full terms. At least that's what Gideon Sa'ar has advanced in the past. Um, and Gideon Sa'ar's reforms are kind of the, the leading political uh, rhetoric that's been going around uh, in the campaign and what have you. Obviously, Bibi has been in office for 12 years, so that would bar him. Uh, there's also talk of legislation that uh, anyone who's under indictment cannot be given a mandate to form a government, cannot sit as prime minister, things like that. Um, such a law is dangerous uh, to create such precedents. Uh, you can create a situation then where if there is someone who is very popular with the public, but not popular with the political establishment, you know, like Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, they could find themselves under indictment in order to prevent them from forming a government or, or holding office. And uh, that's something that's going to be an issue. Uh, however, uh, there are ways around that. I mean, if, if let's just say this government goes a year and then collapses and uh, there's an effort to form a government by uh, Bibi Netanyahu, he can always have someone else lead the, the effort in a titular prime minister, if you will, while he kind of maintains the, the power from behind the scenes. Uh, or they can also work to change these laws as well. 
So, I mean, these laws will be subject to change uh, in the future as well. But um, these are some of the reforms they're talking about. Obviously, a term limit for prime minister is something that Gidon Saar ran on, that a lot of the parties in the coalition, uh, in the change block that, that could become a coalition, uh, would support. So uh, that's uh, what they're talking about. And uh, there's also talk of splitting the attorney general's office into two posts with a state prosecutor. Um uh, which would be an uh, interesting reform. So you'd have both the attorney general and an official state prosecutor uh, in two separate roles. Uh, eventually, some of these jobs can get to be a little bit too big for one person. And uh, that's something that is tricky in a bureaucratic sense. You don't want to create more offices than you have to. But at the same time, uh, eventually, sometimes officers get to be a little bit much uh, for just one person. Right. Um, current. Justice Minister Benny Gantz is likely to move over to defense. It'll be the defense minister. Now, Benny Gantz is a former general, so this would be a competent uh, place for him to serve. Uh, and uh, New Hope leader Gideon, Gideon Saar is looking to be justice minister. Uh, also, Yamina wants Ayla Chaked to be uh, justice minister. So that's been a point of contention in the negotiations. Chaked uh, has served as justice minister before, and... Uh, you know, has championed a number of reforms there. So obviously that's where they wanted to go. However, now there is talk that Shakhed might go into the public security, education, transportation, or interior ministries. Uh, again, uh, excluding transportation, the ideological uh, ministries that have uh, control over, uh, you know, that, that parties want control over for ideological reasons. Um, and as I mentioned uh, before, Nitsan Horowitz wants uh to be in the governor, the cabinet as well. Uh, Meritz was asking for the education ministry, but it seems that uh, Nitsan is going to be tapped to be health minister, uh, which will have implications for virus uh, lockdown uh, policies uh, as he's from the far left. Uh, uh, so that's uh, one option. And uh, it's also purported that Meritz MK uh, Tamar Zandberg might become the environmental protection minister. So Meritz would get a couple of posts that are key to the far left, and that would certainly satisfy uh, them. The Meritz has run uh, together with the Green Party before and is close to the environmental movement. So that would, you know, that would satisfy their supporters for sure. Uh, certainly be something that... Uh, it goes there. Now, uh, you have to note that uh, Blue and White and Yisra Batenu are also seeking cabinet posts, right? Uh, now, Benny Gantz being uh, defense minister is a big deal, but he's also going to want to put a couple of his key people in uh, ministries as well. And with eight seats, it's not insignificant, right? You know, he's an important party. He's bigger than Yisra Batenu. He's bigger than Labor. He's bigger than Meretz. Uh, he's bigger than Yamina, right? Uh, even though Yamina is kind of key to putting a coalition together. So he's going to be pushing for that as well. Now, um, as I mentioned, uh, Mirab McKaylee serving possibly as interior minister before, uh, that seems to be where she's trying to get, that, that uh, the leader of labor, Mirab McKaylee, who has brought labor back from the dead and made it relevant again, if she were to have the interior ministry, would definitely satisfy uh, her constituents' uh, concerns and, and put herself in a very good political position there. Uh, but other parties will be vying for the interior ministry, obviously, um, including New Hope, which wants a uh, member of Knesset Yifat, Sasha Biton, to serve in the uh, the ministry in, instead, right? So Labor is also trying to get a hold of the education ministry uh, and 
apparently they're in talks with Meretz over who's going to do what there, right? Uh, education's really an important ministry to the left. You know, that's that's something that uh, uh, they're going to fight over and, and try to uh, to go there. Uh, in terms of the big office, so they're talking about uh, Naftali Bennett going first. Not quite clear yet if he's going just a year or two years or if they're going to go back and forth or what, what the plan is. Uh, but it looks like uh, Bennett would go first and then Lapid would serve as foreign minister, which is basically the number two spot in the cabinet. And then they would switch, plo- switch places when the offices, uh, you know, when the prime minister rotation happens. Then Bennett would become foreign minister and Lapid would become prime minister. So uh, that uh, that's basically where that's going to go. Uh, so in terms of the coalition that is coming together here, uh, that, that looks like a, a possibility. We're, we're seeing a lot of really competent people uh, in terms of holding these offices. Obviously, uh, the far left is looking to get key offices. Um, we're going to see uh, Benny Gantz, a former general, as defense minister if, if the coalition is formed. Uh, Naftali Bennett has served as foreign minister before. He's definitely qualified to be prime minister. The political situation with him having only a party with seven seats is not so great for him, but obviously uh, polls have consistently shown him the second most popular candidate for prime minister uh, next to Bibi Netanyahu and more popular than Yair Lapid. So it, it does somewhat make sense that they would do that. If they're really the goal is to get Bibi out of office, that is something that they're just going to have to do. Um, also sort of in, intrinsic to the coalition, <laughs> uh, central to the idea of the of the government coming together, is the matter of Ra'am. Uh, there are some who say that Ra'am is negotiating to join the coalition formally, some who say that they are not. But there has definitely been some top-level meetings between Lapid and Ra'am uh, leader Mansour Abbas over issues that are important to the Arab community. Talk about uh, budgetary concerns for fighting crime. Uh, I mentioned organized crime is a big problem in the uh, Israeli-Arab communities. Uh, there are also a few Bedouin communities in the South that have been deemed illegal. As I mentioned, I mean, this is a challenge with the Bedouins. They uh, don't, uh, something like uh, the Roma, the, the gypsies, if you will, uh, of Europe, they, they don't really... Uh, think culturally about land and possessing land the way we do. They move around. And so if they build a little settlement in one place, uh, it's temporary in their minds. And so they don't see it as a, a, a problem. Whereas, you know, when for more settled people, obviously, when you build a settlement, it has to be legal, it has to be planned and that kind of thing. And so the government comes over and goes, oh, no, no, you can't build here. Uh, we didn't authorize this settlement. So there's a talk of um, three settlements being allowed to remain you know, basically being legalized, uh, and a couple of other very important issues uh, for the Arab community. So Mansour Abbas would be getting what he wants for uh, the domestic issues related to uh, Arab-Israeli voters. And that is, as I mentioned, uh, you know, opportunistically, that's what he wants. That's why he's willing to join the government. Uh, In this case, he'd be able to hand the Arab community two big prizes. Uh, One, that uh, his party would have had a key role in unseating Bibi Netanyahu, which would certainly make him uh, more popular with uh, the Arab left than he has been, because, of course, his willingness to join a government, even one led by Netanyahu, possibly, uh, has not been popular with them. He would also then be able to point to his delivery on these promises and other uh, 
uh, goals for the Arab community. So this would be a strong showing for him. Now, uh, whether they're going to join the coalition formally or support it from outside, uh, the Ra'am party would give the coalition the 61 seats it needs to form a stable, uh, consistent, and uh, coherent government that would actually be able to pass legislation and enact the reforms that they want to enact. Uh, so that, that means that Ram is going to be playing a critical role. So if they form this government together, it will uh, definitely have, uh, you know, it's, it's narrow, it's right at 61, but it, it will have the elements of stability necessary to pull this government together and, and stay in office, uh, assuming all of the parties remain committed. And obviously for the first year, they're going to avoid the kinds of issues that could break up the coalition. Uh, one issue that has come up, and this is this is relatively important to international relations, is that Naftali Bennett has said that they are not going to change the policy on building in uh, the Shomron and Yehuda and around Jerusalem. Uh, they are not going to free settlements. They are not going to... Uh, settlements is an international media term. You'll have to forgive me. They're not going to freeze the construction of new Jewish homes in Jewish land in Israel. Uh, and... Uh, you know, the international press calls them settlements, like somehow, you know, when you when you build a home on the other, you know, a village on, on the other side of a certain line on a map, it, it, the name of it changes. It becomes something else. It's, you know, it's a, a definition issue. So uh, this is uh, these are you know residences. These are communities that will be allowed to be built in the uh, Shomron and Yehuda, what the international community calls the West Bank. They're not going to freeze construction of uh, building within existing communities, and uh, although they're not going to site any new communities or allow the construction of new communities in that territory. But the fact that there will be no freeze will be very, very important to Yamina voters, uh, a large number of whom live in the Shomron and Yehuda in that region. So uh, that's going to be something very important to Naftali Bennett's crowd. Now, the Meretz labor crowd, the, the more pro-peace group, would be in favor of halting said construction. So the willingness of them, uh, of those far-left parties, to join a coalition that will not necessarily make any changes on that uh, particular issue shows just you know how desperate they are to get into a government, having been out of government for so many years. So that's the situation as it is now. Uh, in a few days here, we may know uh, how quickly they're able to form a government. Uh, some say that uh, they're going to hold a vote on Tuesday to form the government. Some say Thursday. They want to get it done this week because uh, the celebration of Shavuot begins uh, next week, which will mean that uh, attentions will be elsewhere. There'll be, you know, there's a holiday. <laughs> People are going to be focused on that, family and other things. So if they can get the government seated uh, and and get the vote, that is, that, that officially establishes the government, they could have everyone swearing in after the holiday and the new government will take office. So, uh, but, you know, they're trying to get the vote ahead of time. The only procedural issue there is that once you present the president with your coalition, uh, you have to wait 24 hours for the vote. So if they can present a, a final deal, if they can present a coalition, uh, it's Monday in Israel, as I'm recording now, um, they, uh, uh, Monday evening, they, they can 
you know, if they can submit that to the president, they could vote Tuesday. Uh, if they can submit it Tuesday, they could vote Wednesday. So probably this week um, and, and preferably before Friday. Uh, Friday is kind of considered the weekend in Israel. And then there's the holiday afterwards. So they're going to want to get this vote done this week to form the government. And then the government will be sworn in and take office after the holiday. And if that is the case, then Bibi Netanyahu will be out of office and we'll have uh, what I'm already going to term the all-star cabinet, where uh, you'll go from a cabinet that is very much led by one man, who is the, the big rock star in the cabinet, Bibi Netanyahu, who's, who's the big name, the big, the big guy, to a coalition government uh, led by cabinet ministers, all of whom are, uh, none, none of whom are a big rock star, but all of whom are competent leaders. So we're, we're going to switch from a, a team that's got uh, one big player who always hits a home run and is the celebrated uh, prima donna over to a uh, coalition where basically you have a well-balanced team that's able to, uh, you know, that's able to play well together and, and uh, be very competent. So that's going to be a difference. Uh, but it does look like they have the votes at this point and very good chance of unseating Bibi Netanyahu as early as next week. Uh, depending on how quickly they're able to put this together. Uh, now, while Yair Lapid was just given the mandate, of course, for the last 28 days that Bibi Netanyahu had the mandate, uh, that didn't mean that Yair Lapid went to sleep or went to ground somewhere. He didn't have to hide. Ian and Bennett and these other parties have been negotiating all along. So there have already been over a month of negotiations uh, headed in this direction. And what we're seeing now is just the last minute, uh, last ditch negotiations as they get toward a final agreement. So uh, it, it does it does look positive. Now, when elections were held, uh, everyone said they were inconclusive. And I warned away from that term. Technically, you could argue they were inconclusive because they were not decisive. They did not give Bibi Netanyahu a decisive win. Neither did they give uh, the change block a decisive win. However, not being decisive does not mean inconclusive. If a coalition is formed, then the elections were not inconclusive. They were, uh, they will definitely be conclusive. And I told you then, I felt there was a 60-40 chance that a coalition would be formed under this Knesset. They, when you look at the numbers, there are enough, there were enough undeclared votes, right? You had 51 in the change block, 52 in the Netanyahu block, and uh, 13 seats between Yamina and Ra'am that were undeclared, meaning that they could go either way, which which meant there was a pretty good chance that if those 13 seats went to Bibi, they'd form a government. If those 13 seats went to the change block, they'd form a government. Uh, and we've even seen uh, five of the six members of the joint list, uh, the, the otherwise uh, indifferent or, or let's just say separate, usually they're separate from the Israeli political system, the Arab parties, uh, they went ahead and recommended uh, the, the Lapid uh, mandate I recommended to the president that he give Lapid the mandate. So uh, some interesting times for Israeli politics. I'll have more uh, as soon as they have a formal coalition agreement and they hold that vote. I'll record another episode and discuss matters further then. In the meantime, Inside Israel News has a new home at politicalvanguard.com. Political Vanguard is a conservative news website that I also write on for American domestic politics. Uh, and it is the new home where you can find the Israel, Inside Israel News podcast uh, on that page and uh, also read the other articles from our contributors. 
uh, and the uh, the main contributor, Tom Del Beccaro, the former California GOP chair uh, who led the uh, recall effort against uh, Governor Gavin Newsom and the effort to get that recall uh, on the ballot, an effort that has now been successful. So uh, that website is politicalvanguard.com, and we have just relaunched it. New look, fabulous new website, and you can find Inside Israel News there. And uh, you can you can listen on the page or uh, just, uh, you know, it has it has the featured image and uh, allows me a little bit more freedom to write uh, notes as well. So hope you'll check that out. Uh, my website, as always, InsideIsrael.News, uh, if you want to go directly to my website. But I have a lot of links there that go back over to Political Vanguard anyway. And uh, I hope you'll check that out. With that, I will say goodbye. Lahitrot. Amashatot, <laughs> <laughs>